the message that we have heard from Paul is his struggle with sin within his life, but then the recognition and the remembrance that in the midst of his sin there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That if we are in Christ, there is no condemnation, and we walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So this is where we pick up this morning. Romans chapter 8, pick up in your Bibles, Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 12. And with that in mind, Paul's struggle with sin, but remembrance of what Christ has done. Hear what he says now in regard to that. So then, brothers... We are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. These verses speak of a reality that we know. That if you are a believer in Christ, if you are in Christ, then you know the reality of having gone from being dead in your sins to being raised in life in Christ. To being going from bound to sin to having freedom in Christ and walking in a relationship with Christ. But we also, we also identify with what Paul writes in chapter 7 there about his own struggle with sin. That he writes that he knows what is right, but he still does that which is wrong. And I don't know about you, but I can quickly identify with Paul's struggle there. I can easily look at my life and see things that I think that I know I should not think, but I struggle with in my flesh. And I look at things that I say and know the same struggle that Paul has and knowing I should not, but I do. Each of us, if you are a believer in here, can recognize and identify with what Paul says in that chapter. And there is not a single person in this room who does not have a problem with sin. We're all united together in, that, uh, in this room. And, but there are two different groups of us here. There are those of us who have not been made alive by Christ. So there are some in here, you have a problem with sin, it's simply that you're dead in your sin. You have not been made alive in Christ. You do not know the joy of having your sins removed from you and walking in Christ. So that's one group who's here. But then if you're a believer in here, if you know the reality of having been raised in newness of life in Christ, then you also know the reality of a daily sin struggle in which you know the right, but at times you do not do what is right. And you can see those sinful tendencies still coming out in your life. So there's not a single one of us in here who does not still have this problem, this struggle with sin. Paul's words are for you, brother and sister. They are for me, 
when he tells us that we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you must die. But here, brothers and sisters, this is what we are to do. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body. My aim this morning, my aim, brothers and sisters, is for me and you to put to death, to kill the sin that we still struggle with. My desire is that at the end of our time together, we are further strengthened to look at the own, our own selves, the sin we struggle with, and look at it with a determination to say, I'm going to put this to death by the power of Christ. That's what Paul's whole exhortation here is, stemming back from, verse, from chapter 7. But now if we're going to see what Paul is doing in verses 12 and 13 here in chapter 8, we need to see the whole scope, the whole scope of everything uh, that Brother Mike read to us. So turn back to chapter 7, verse 13. We're not going to read all this again, but I just want you to scan through it. Look through what Paul is saying here about his own struggle with sin. And I will guide us walking through this. Verse 14, he writes about how he is in bondage to sin. Verse 15, he writes about he does the things that he hates. In verse 16, he confesses that the law itself is good. In other words, he knows what is good and what is right, but he still struggles in doing what is good and right. In verse 17, he says that there is sin that dwells in him. In verse 18, he says that he knows that he needs to be doing what is good and right, but somehow it does not happen. Verse 19, he says, I want to do what is good and pleasing to God, but I just don't do it. Verse 20, even though I want to do what is good, I end up doing the very thing that I don't want to do. Verse 21, he recognizes that there is evil in him. Verse 22 and 23, he joyfully recognizes he knows what to do, but there is still within him a struggle. And we read about this in this passage, and we see this struggle with sin that Paul is, is talking about here. We look at it and we ask ourselves, can this really be Paul struggling in this kind of way with sin? I mean, we're talking about the Apostle Paul here. This is the man who saw the risen Lord on the road to Damascus. Saw him. Life changed immediately. This is the man who went town to town, no matter the cost, even knowing that he might die, and yet proclaimed Christ, knowing that people were ready to kill him. This is the man who started churches left and right and said that he was torn between whether he wants to stay or whether he wants to go because he wants to continue in ministry. But at the same time, he wants to go be with the Lord. So we're looking at this pastor and we're saying, Paul, the Paul who did all those things, he struggles with sin in this way? Yes. Paul wrestled with sin. And the reality is, is that if you are a believer, you also struggle with sin. Just because you've been raised to newness in life in Christ does not mean that you still don't have that pull, that tendency that comes from the old person, that old you that comes out sometimes. Each of us have that struggle with sin. And I look at it in my own life. I look at the struggles that still remain there and I look at my sin the only thing I can say is that I hate it. I hate 
the sin that still is there. I hate the attitudes that are there and the ungodliness that still remains there. And if you are in Christ, there still remains that struggle that if you're honest, you look at in your own life and you see that there are still struggles and wrestling with sin. But it brings us to this great conclusion that Paul draws. At the end of all his wrestling through his sin, what does he say in verse 1 of chapter 8? He comes down to it and he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So even though we wrestle and we struggle with sin, even though we know that the old person still tries to come out sometimes, we can know the fact that if we are in Christ, there is no condemnation for me or for you or if you are his. I mean, that is good news, right? Amen. But Paul goes on from there and he begins to lay more of a foundation for us understanding this. How can we deal with sin in our lives? Well, what does Paul do in the next verses? Verses 2 through 4, he begins to think about what Christ has done. He's been set free from the law. And if we're in Christ, we've been set free as well. We're no longer in bondage to sin. It no longer holds chains on you. Just like that song that we just sang. That we're no longer chained to sin. We've been set free, as the song says. And so now, God's delight in us, his acceptance of us, is not based on what we do, but is based on what Christ has done. God's acceptance of you, if you are in Christ, is not based on what you are doing now, but on what Christ has done. So his delight in you is based on his delight in Christ. Isn't this good news for those of us who still wrestle with sin day by day by day? God's acceptance of you is based on Christ, not on you. Do you get that? Do you understand that glorious truth? And so now let's skip ahead to what he says in verse 14 through 17. Made alive in Christ. And now what does he say? He says, we who are made alive in Christ are sons of God. Sons and daughters of God. So if you are in Christ You have been adopted as the child of God with all the love that the Father, the infinite, perfect Father, has toward his children. Now, I have have two kids, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and I, I know how much I love my kids. Love my kids, and there is nothing that my kids could ever do that would cause me to stop loving them. There is nothing that my kids could ever do that would make them not my kids. They are mine forever and have my love forever. Now, if that's the case, and I am a very imperfect father, what does that say about the perfect father's love toward you who are his children? That if you are his There is nothing that you do, there is nothing that you struggle with that removes your adoption as his child. 
You are eternally, forever, the son or the daughter of God. Now, doesn't that help us think through our understanding of who we are in Christ and how we wrestle with sin in such a way that that you are not made less in the eyes of God because of the sin that you continue to struggle with. That God's acceptance of you, his delight in you, his pleasure in you, is not based on what you do, but who you are as his son, his daughter in Christ. So I, I think Paul's train of thought here is, is starting to become clear. He's been open about his own struggle with sin, and now he immediately turns to thinking about what Christ has done, who he is in Christ. So here's the point. How you deal with sin in your own life is based on who you are in Christ. How you wrestle with and struggle with and fight against the sin that is in your life, those things that continue to pop up, is based on who you are in Christ. So that all leads to the question of what I want us to focus on this morning. And the question is, how do we do battle? How do we fight against the indwelling sin that remains in us, that continued struggle with sin? So how do you fight against the temptation that you will face tomorrow? How do you fight against the ungodly attitude that you know pops out sometimes? How do you fight against the lust that you are struggling with? How do you fight against the lack of faith? How do you fight against whatever sin it is that keeps coming up in your life? My aim is for us to do that, to do battle, to fight against, put to death the sin that we struggle with. So Paul gives us two ways that we do that here. Number one, he's picking up in verse 12. Number one, how do you fight against sin? How do you put sin to death in your life, overcome this? Number one, realize that you are under no obligation to sin. Realize that you are not under obligation to sin. Listen to what Paul says again. So then, brothers or sisters, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. If you are in Christ, then you have been brought from being dead in your sins to being alive in Christ. Christ. So prior to Christ, as we talked about, you were chained to sin. You were bound to that sin nature in such a way that what came out of you was sin because you were sinning because you were a sinner. But now, if you are in Christ, you have been set free from those chains to sin, that bondage to sin, in such a way that you are not bound anymore under obligation to sin. Romans 6.12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Why not? Why not let sin reign? Because you are not bound to it anymore. You have been set free from it. So now let's, let's think about what Paul says here. Paul says that you are no longer under obligation. You're no longer a debtor. So think about what is a debtor. A debtor is somebody who owes something. Someone who is under an obligation. I unfortunately under an obligation to a mortgage company that I owe on my house. 
and that I am required to every month keep sending out that same amount over and over and over. Why is that? Because I'm under obligation. I am a debtor to that mortgage company for my house. Now, in the Christian life, Paul says that we are not debtors. We don't owe anything to what? What does he say? We're not under obligation. We're not a debtor to the flesh. So what's the flesh? The flesh is that struggle that you and I still have with that sinful tendency. We're not dead in our sins anymore, but we're, we're not yet perfected in Christ. That won't happen until we stand before him in eternity. So there, in the meantime, we still struggle with those things from the old man or the old woman. We still have those things that come out. You still have those tendencies that are there. But Paul says that you are not under obligation to those things whether it's anger or lust or envy or gossip or lack of faith or whatever it might be Paul says you are not under a debt to those things now generally generally if I ask somebody what's the sin that you keep struggling with 90 percent of the time Christians can identify there's that one thing that keeps coming up And so probably if I asked you right now, what is that sin that you keep struggling with in your life? More than likely, you could say, this is it. This is what just keeps coming up in my life. And Paul says, you are under no obligation to that. You are not a debt to that old way that keeps trying to pop up in your life. So in other words, you can have victory over those things that you struggle with because you're not bound to those. You have actually been set free in Christ from that old nature. You have been set free in Christ so that you are under no obligation. You are not required to give in to those struggles that you have. The whole point, the whole point of what Paul has been saying is that you are new. You're in Christ. You're not that old person anymore. So you're not under obligation to the sin. You're under obligation instead to Christ. He is your what you owe. He is your life uh, at this point. So how do we deal with sin in our lives? How do we do battle against sin in our lives? Number one, remember that you are under no obligation to the flesh. You are not bound anymore to that. Number two is what Paul tells us in verse 13. That's to put to death the sin in your life. How do you overcome the struggle with sin that you have in your life? Second thing, put to death the sin in your life. Listen to what he says again. Verse 13. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, then you will live. Okay, so Paul's setting up a contrast here. He's talking about uh, this contrast of on one side is the flesh, and then on one side is the spirit. So the result of living according to the flesh is what? What does Paul say? It's death, right? So he's not talking about physical death here. The result of living according to the flesh is a spiritual death. It is dying eternally, being separated from Christ, separated from God. 
But on the other side of that is living by the Spirit. What do we do if we live by the Spirit? We put to death the deeds of the body. And then what? We live, right? According to what Paul says there. So this is an eternal life in Christ. And so we've got these two different aspects set up here that we are to consider. So why is Paul doing this? What's he doing here? Well, first of all, he's reminding us of who we are. If you are in Christ, you do not belong to the flesh. If you're in Christ, that is not your life anymore. You've been set free from that. If you're in Christ instead, you put to death the deeds of the body. And so he's showing us here, second, that our deeds, what we do, how we think, how we live, those things give evidence of who we really are. Now, Paul is not saying here, that you are saved by what you do. Paul is not saying that you put to death the deeds of the body and that's what causes your salvation. No, just the opposite of that. You putting to death the deeds of the body, putting to death the sin that you struggle with, that is a result of you having been saved. So the result of your justification is the theological term that we use. The result of that, what it brings about then is that you desire, you are then enabled to put to death the sin in your life because it has been permanently dealt with in Christ. And so now your response to the sin that you struggle with is that you put to death the sin that is in your life. So if you are in Christ, you are saved not according to what you do, but by grace in Christ. So the sin that we struggle with, if you are a believer, the sin that you struggle with isn't a characterization of who you are, but it's a struggle that comes out every once in a while. And so there's a difference between sin that is just who you are. You're a sinner, you sin all the time, your life is characterized by sin, versus this occasional struggle with sin. Uh, for example, when I, when I was younger, my favorite sport was football. And so I lived for football. I watched football. I played football. I read books about football. I memorized stats about football. I collected football cards. When I was at recess, I played football. When I was at home after football practice, I would play football. I would throw the football. I would kick the football. I would do everything with football because that's what I loved doing. It was kind of who I was for a time period. Now, obviously, that's not who I am now. I loved football when I was younger, but I stayed skinny and the other guys didn't. So I didn't keep playing football a whole lot. So I may pick up a football and throw it every once in a while now. I may occasionally watch a football game, but it's not who I am anymore. I don't, I don't have any identification with that. And there's a similar thing when it comes to sin in our lives. We may struggle with sin, it comes out sometimes, but it's not who we are if we are in Christ. That old way is gone. We are new in Christ, but we still struggle with sin in our lives. Now, here's the deal. If, if that's who you are, if you're in Christ, that's who you are, what do we do now in response to that? It's what Paul says here. It's to put to death the sin that's in your life. John Owen put it in a great way. He said, be killing sin 
or it will be killing you. Brothers and sisters, be killing sin or it will be killing you. When it comes to sin in our life, we cannot tiptoe around sin. We cannot merely shrug off the sin struggle that we have and say it's not a big deal. It's dangerous and it's deadly. We have to recognize it for what it is. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you that if, you, if you're not in Christ, if you've never turned to Christ for salvation, there's not a single thing that you can do yourself to kill your sin. There's not a single thing that you can do yourself to make yourself right with God and get rid of your sin. The only hope that you have is to turn to Christ and trust him alone for salvation, for him to forgive you and remove the penalty for your sin. So if that's you, I I call on you to do that, to turn to the only one who can deal with your sin. But for those of us in here who are in Christ, we have been set free from the penalty of sin, and our duty Our desire now is to put sin to death in us. Because the reality is that, believer, sin is like a cancer in your body that will eat you, that will consume you. And so that's why Paul says, put it to death or it will be killing you. So how do we do that? How do we, how do you, how do I kill the sin that we still struggle with. All right, number one. We'll walk through three ways. As we do this, I challenge you to think about your own sin. You know it. You can look at it and you can see it. Think about your sin. Not that of your wife or your husband or your kids or your neighbor. Think of it yours. What you struggle with. Number one. Be ruthless with sin in your life. You want to put to death the sin that you struggle with. Number one, be ruthless when it comes to the sin in your life. This is not something to play around with. When it comes to sin, we do not get as close to the line as we think we can without crossing the line into sin. It is not something that we play with. It's not a toy. We don't get near it. It's a bomb that we run away from. We flee from sin in our lives. You don't accept it, you kill it. You remember what Jesus said about sin? What did he say if that your eye offends you? What do you do? Pluck it out. What if your hand offends you? What does he say to do? Chop it off. Why would he use such harsh terms? Because of the reality of what sin is. It is dangerous, deadly in your lives. And so whether you realize it or not, you are in a war right now for your heart. You are in a war for your mind about what your heart and your mind will be given to. And this is not a war that we can play around in and think about and wonder about and not do anything about. This is not modern warfare with Geneva Conventions. This is ruthless, kill, put it down, get rid of the sin that's in our lives. So what is it that, that, that keeps coming out in your life? What is that sin that you can just identify so quickly? Don't give it a foothold. Don't give it a place. Be ruthless in your attitude toward it, putting it to death. So that's number one. 
Be ruthless with sin in your life. Number two is remember who you are. Remember who you are if you're in Christ. This is everything that we've been covering so far, is that, that if you are in Christ, there is now no condemnation for you. You have no condemnation on your life, and you never will because that has been fully borne out in Christ on the cross. It is gone. No condemnation that you will ever experience from God. You have been set free in Christ. You owe nothing now to the flesh, but you are a debtor to Christ alone. Your sons, your daughters, you've been adopted. So if this is who you are, if you belong to God, why would we let sin reign when it's so offensive to our Father? Why would we toy with it when our Father, who has adopted us, says, get rid of it, kill it? I, um, I've already mentioned that I have a, a four-year-old boy, and every night I put him to bed. And so I'll, I'll put him in bed and go lie down with him. And, and uh, one of the things that he's taken to doing recently is trying to show me how much he loves me. And the way he does that is by squeezing me as hard as he can. And so he wants to say that I, I'm going to hug you as much as I love you. And so then he'll hug my neck and squeeze it as hard as he can. And he's stronger than you'd think a four-year-old would be. Uh, and, and so he's squeezing me to death, just about, just to show how much he loves me. But I know that my son loves me and that he wants, because he loves me, he wants to please me. Now, he does that quite imperfectly because he's four. But he wants to please daddy because of his love for me. Now, let me fast forward that and put it in perspective of, of me to my dad. I'm 34 years old, and I, I love my father, and I think about all that my dad did to sacrifice for me as his son. And so now the thought of doing something that would hurt my dad, me intentionally doing something that would hurt him, almost sickens me to think that I, would, that I would intentionally do something that he is opposed to, that would hurt him. I have respect and love for the one who sacrificed, gave so much for me. Now, we've used two imperfect examples of fathers there, me and mine. But now we put it in perspective of the perfect, holy, loving Father who gave everything that you might know Him. A love that you will never be able to fully understand and describe by words. Now when we consider that kind of love, then what does it do? In understanding that we have been brought into sonship or as daughters of him how does that affect how we look at the sin in our lives and what we want to do about that sin when we look at his eternal love do we want to look at our own sin and say i don't care i don't care that what this does to you i don't care that i'm opposing you how can we possibly say that when we look in the face of the one who loves us and made us his own See, when we remember who we are in Christ, remember who we are as son or daughter of God, doesn't that cause us to hate, to hate with a passion the things that remain in us that are opposed to him? Man, how do we, how do we could we ever cling to those things when we remember who we are 
in Christ. So when you remember that, you kill it. You put to death the sin that's in your life. So how do we do that? Number three is that we use the word. Use the word to kill the sin that remains in your life. One of the functions of the word is like a light to show you, to expose the sin that's in your life. Now, for a lot of us, if, if we say, what's that sin you struggle with? We can probably just bring it up just like that, and, and we can know the sin that we struggle with. But also for each of us, there are things that are in our lives, sins that we probably don't even recognize now. And what the Word does is the Word shines a flashlight into every nook and cranny of your life, into every thought, into every attitude, and all that you do to look at it, to expose the sin that remains there. You know, we, we think about back in chapter 7 with Paul, how, he, how could the apostle Paul say that he's struggling with sin like this? Because it's what the word of God was doing in his life. You see, the closer that you are to God, the more in tune you are with his word and understanding it, shining in your light, the more clearly the sin in your life stands out. If I'm in a dark room wearing a dirty, stained-up shirt, I don't see the stains that are on it. But the more I'm brought into the light, the clearer I see the stains and the dirtiness that are there on my shirt. And the closer we are brought to Christ, and the more the Word of God shines in on our lives, the more clearly we see our sin for what it is, and the more clearly we understand how horrible it is in the light of God the Father. And so what the Word does is it shows us that, it makes it clearer to us, it exposes those things that we may not even recognize now that are sins, and causes us to see them for the horrible thing that it actually is. It exposes it. And as we use God's word to see the sin in our lives, we also use it to kill the sin that it shows. How did Jesus respond to temptation in the wilderness? He used the word, right? Each temptation, he responds with the word. How do we respond to temptation in our lives? We respond with the word. Saying, no, I won't do that because I know that God's word says this. How do we respond when there is sin within our lives? We say, no, God's word says this. I have to cut this out. I have to do surgery in my life so that this is removed because God's word shows me that this should not be in my life. Psalm 119.11, your word have I treasured hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. It is a tool God uses to slice out to put to death, to kill, to cut away the sin that remains in our lives. We kill it. What do you need to be killing this morning in your life? I've already said before that there's something that each one of us in this room have in common. And the thing that we each have in common is that, that we're sinners. But within this commonality that we have as sinners... There's, there's two groups in reality in here. There are those who have not had their sin dealt with by Christ. And as I've already said, that if you are in that category, that if you have not trusted in Christ, there is nothing 
that you yourself can do to kill your own sin. You remain under the just condemnation of a holy God. And so my plea this morning is if that is you, to call out to the only one who can give you forgiveness, the only one who can change your life and take away that condemnation, the penalty of sin, trusting in Christ alone, saying, I want you, and I don't want my sin anymore. I trust in you. Forgive me for what I've done. And he will do that. And he will make you new. He will make you alive in Christ and put to death the old man so that you can now walk in life in Christ. And there is nothing that compares to that. So if, you, if that's you this morning, I urge you to call out to Christ. But I would say for many of us, we fall in that second category. And that is that we are saved, we are in Christ, but yet we still wrestle, we still struggle with sin. There are those things that are still there in our lives that we are to put to death. And so... If you're in that category like I am this morning, I urge you to, to pray. Ask God to expose those things that are still in your life. There may be sins that you are clinging to secretly. And you are holding on to rather than putting to death. Pray that God will make it clear to you the horror of, of that of your own sin that indwells there. Pray God that God will expose within your life by his word the sin that you perhaps don't even recognize is there. And there are probably some of you in here who you just feel defeated because there is a sin that keeps coming up in your life and you think you've licked it, but then it comes back again. And it keeps coming back. And it keeps coming back. And it keeps coming back. Pray that God, by His grace, through the Spirit, working in your life, will equip you and work in you to put to death that sin. And God is able to do that. And if you have something that you struggle with like that, there are other believers here. Some good friend that you may have here, a pastor, who will walk with you to help you put that to death. So this morning, what is it that you need to do? How has God spoken to you about the sin that you struggle with? If you're not a believer, call to him for forgiveness. If you are, recognize that you're no longer under obligation to, to, the, to the flesh. And put to death the sin that's there. Let's pray. Our Father, we come in grateful thanksgiving to you. Remembering that Christ has taken the punishment for sin. And that in him there is therefore now no condemnation. And so God, as, a, as your son, as your adopted son who struggles with sin still. God, I thank you that there is no condemnation. That I have life in Christ and that I am yours. And that you say, call out to you as Abba Father. What joy we have in that truth. But God, I, I pray also that we who are your children will put to death the sin that still is there. Help us to be ruthless. Help us to hate the sin that we have, but to love righteousness. God, I pray that you will work and move in our lives as only you can. 
Change us, God, by your Spirit. We pray this in Christ's name.